Hey, before we get into the message, I want to take a moment and tell you about something special happening here at Union. We are in the middle of our Limitless Initiative. As a church, we're beginning construction on our headquarters in Bowie, Maryland. This is a state-of-the-art facility that will seat 2,400 people and serve as the central hub of all things Union Church. Our vision is to launch more campuses in both the DMV and beyond, ensuring that there's a life-giving community within driving distance of as many people as possible. Hey, would you consider partnering with our Limitless Initiative? 100% of your contribution will go directly to our mission of uniting people to purpose and helping people know a God that loves them more than they can imagine. Here's what I know. God doesn't respond to our giving. God responds to our obedience. Will you spend time praying? Ask God what he would have you give and obey. And as you do, he's gonna respond with immeasurably more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. You can give by clicking on the link in the description or going to theunionchurch.com forward slash limitless. All right, let's jump into today's message. I'm excited. So they took Joseph's tunic killed a kid of the goats and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? Pause, let me give you some context. You may or may not know this story. There's a man by the name of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, but like most parents should not do, Jacob picked his favorite. He said his youngest Joseph was his favorite and he bought him, the Bible says, a coat of many colors to let everybody know this was his favorite son, instigating jealousy among the brothers. Now, the jealousy, it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to rough you up. I'm going to be mean to you. No, they said, we're going to kill you. How about that? You want to be dad's favorite? Fine, you're going to be dead. Listen, if you think your family is a mess, just read the Bible. And you're going to realize we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Okay, Thanksgiving is going to be awkward, but we're doing a lot better than these folks are. And then after a while, they decided, you know what? We're Christians. We're Christians. We can't kill them. Let's sell them into slavery because that's so much better. So they sell Joseph, but they're like, we've got to come up with a story for dad because dad's going to ask what happened to his favorite. So the Bible says they took his, his coat of many colors, they, they killed a goat and they dipped his coat in the blood and then look what they did. They presented it to their father and said, we have found this. Look how, can I see ignorant there? Do you know whether it's your son's tunic or not? Listen to Jacob. And he recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Watch this. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, look at this, look at this. I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. 
Thus his father wept for him. Today's going to be a good day. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful, God, that it is your breath in our lungs. And God, we're not just talking about H2O, but, but God, you said that the Holy Spirit is the pneuma, the breath of the living God. And in this moment, you're, you're quickening our mortal bodies. God, we're praying for a God encounter. We're praying that you would transform us in ways that we didn't even know possible. And God, we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen and amen and amen. Can, can, can you take a, a little journey with me? I, I was doing some research to, to set up this message. Take a little journey with me. I, I was actually studying uh, AI, AI, they call it artificial intelligence. And as I was studying it, an article came up talking about the presidential election in the country of Ukraine. Ukraine had their presidential election in 2019. It was their last election. And they had 39 different candidates on the ballot. Everybody and their grandma ran for president in that election. There were all these different candidates, but there was one candidate that was, I mean, heads and shoulders above the rest. And the polls, everything about it said this person is going to be a sure in. They're guaranteed to win. And leading up right before the election took place in March of 2019, a video was released of this candidate standing in front of a crowd of supporters. And they were expecting this candidate to say, thank you for your support. When I become president, we're going to lead this country into greatness and all that other good stuff. And instead, this candidate who was leading in the polls stood up in front of everybody and said, I've made the decision today that I am withdrawing my name from the election. And I vow to this country, I'm going to support whoever you elect, and I'm going to be behind that candidate. And the whole crowd, I mean, shock and dismay. Polls are going crazy. News reporters are crying out, calling, trying to get an exclusive. What happened? What took place? Now, as this video is being released, said candidate is not on a stage He's not in front of a crowd. He's not giving a speech. He was actually somewhere else in an office working when his phone began to blow up and say, what is it that made you step out of the election? And he says, say what now? Step out of whose election? I haven't stepped out of anything. What are you talking about? The entire video was a fake. They call it a deep fake, or you've heard this phrase, fake news where computers are actually able to generate words, faces, crowds, environments that look 100% real, but is fabricated for the exact purpose of lying, of diverting, of tricking, of, of actually moving people's emotions based on something that is not true. Now, here's the thing. We think in 2023, 2019, 2021, that AI, artificial intelligence, these computers are going to take over and they're going to transform people's minds, not realizing, this, as my dad would say, this has been happening since time immemorial. <laughs> it ain't new. Before there was AI, there was Reuben and Judah 
and 11 brothers that said, you know what? Let's lie to dad so we don't get in trouble. Here in Genesis chapter 37, we get a glimpse of how the enemy keeps people in bondage. We don't realize this, but the trauma that we've experienced, the wounds that our hearts have gone through is not what keeps us in bondage. Those are events in our lives, but they're not what keeps us in bondage. What keeps us in bondage is the lie from the enemy about that trauma or about that wound that we take as truth and walk out for the rest of our lives. So now a one-time event, a one-time situation, a one season in your life has now defined you and is walking with you for the rest of your life. We're in this series called Help, I'm Not Okay, talking about the process of healing that God takes us on, how first we have to admit, hey, that hurt. And God, because that hurt, it did something to my heart. I need your presence to be able to heal my heart. And after my heart has been healed, I've got to realize that there are some lies of the enemy that I've believed based on that circumstance that God, I need you to transform that and bring truth into my life. Somebody say amen. Amen. So here it is, here it is. And and here's how the enemy works. They, They take this coat, they cut it up as if some lion or whatever had ripped this boy apart. They dipped it in goat's blood. And watch this. They never said, dad, your son's dead. They never said, we found the body. They never said it. Actually, they asked a question. Do you recognize this coat? Well, of course I recognize the coat. Everybody recognized the coat. That's the special coat that I bought him. And, And look what Jacob said. He said, this is none other than my son's coat. Surely he has been devoured by wild animals. My son is torn to pieces. Here's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to come along the trauma or tragedy in your life and narrate the story. And what he will do is he'll give you facts, evidence that look to back up the exact lie that he's offering. And without even realizing it, because of the pain, because of the exhaustion, because you were caught off guard, you say, you know what? One plus one must equal two. That's true. So here you are thinking that when that loved one passed away, that was the moment that my heart was wounded to the level that I can never heal again. Can can I help you out? It's not your loved one passing away that, that has you in bondage. It's the lie that you believe that they're the only one who understands you. Because at that funeral, and I'm not trying to get like super emotional or whatever, but I'm trying to expose the enemy. Is that okay? Here's the enemy whispering in your ear. You know, they're the only one who valued you. They're the only one who got you. They're the only one that understood you. And now that they're gone, you are here by your self. And then what he'll do is he'll send three or four people into your life that don't understand you. And don't value you and don't get you. And you're like, you know what? Here's the evidence. Here's the proof. I am by myself. And then you live the next 40 years of your life believing that nobody gets you. 
Nobody understands you. Nobody values you. Not even realizing that it is a lie from the enemy. Come on now. Maybe you went through some abuse in your past. And it may shock you, but it's not that trauma or that abuse that has wounded you and kept you bound for the rest of your life. It's the enemy in your ear whispering. You know you're damaged goods now. You know you're broken. Nobody wants damaged goods. Nobody wants broken things. You have no value. And then all of a sudden for the rest of your life, Every promotion that's available, you say, no, I'm not going to apply. Every open door, nope, I'm not going to walk through. And you actually sabotage your own progress because you've believed a lie. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. Not because of a trauma, but because a lie of the enemy that was whispered in your ear in that moment. I, I don't, I don't want to glorify the enemy and we're going to smash him by the end of this service. But one of the problems is the enemy believes God's word more than we do. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse three, as a man, as a woman, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, whatever you believe is going to be the course that your life takes. So the enemy's entire strategy is let me change what they believe. Let let me manipulate their worldview. Let me let them think that men can never be trusted. Let me let them think that, that, that women are not loyal and they'll never have your back or whatever the cultural popular belief is. And let me reinforce it with the first person they date and the second person they date and the third person they date. And then I'm going to get them to say something and make an inner vow that will dictate the course of their life for the next 40 years. What, what, watch this. Is this too heavy? Come on. Just lean back and laugh. Come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was light. Okay. Here we go. I just love how God's word exposes the enemy. Look what Jacob said. He said, my son has surely been torn to pieces. Then he says this, I will go to the grave in sorrow, mourning my son. Fast forward. So by the way, y'all, just in case you don't know, Joseph wasn't dead. Joseph was alive. They sold him in slavery in Egypt. He went and worked for Potiphar, got false charges, ended up in prison. Then he ends up as the second in command in Egypt. And I can preach it to him blue in the face because it does not matter who's against you. If God before you, it does not matter who is against you. If there is a word of God, if there's a promise over your life, it will come to pass. I don't want to get to the end of the message. As long as you agree with God. Now, if you agree with the enemy's word over your life, that is what will come to pass. So watch this. Joseph is second in command. This is like 13 years, actually more than that, years later after the lie took place. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. He brings his entire family to Egypt. His father sees him, cries, overwhelmed. And then Pharaoh says, I want to meet the family of my second in command. So here's Jacob, some probably 30 years later, standing in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh looks at Jacob, watch this. And Pharaoh says, how old are you? 
The reason why Pharaoh asked Jacob how old he was is because he couldn't tell by looking. You have the voice of a young man, but you have the appearance of someone well advanced in years. And here's Jacob's response to Pharaoh. He said, long and evil have been the days of my pilgrimage. And I'm dying a lot younger than anybody else in my family. Rewind. When he got the bad news and believed the lie, he said, I'm going to go to the grave over this. You fast forward 30 years. He's dying 30 to 40 years younger than Isaac, his father, than Abraham, his grandfather. Not because that's the amount of time that God had for his life but because he believed a lie, spoke an inner vow over his life based on the lie, and it manifested in his life. Question, we're gonna be done with these by the end of the day, but what lies have you believed? What things have you spoken over your life based on, on, on evidence presented to you by the enemy? And without even realizing it is now producing in your life, and, uh, what's wild is some of us are praying to God for one thing, but believing in our hearts something completely different. And God is like, I want to do what you're praying, but your prayers cannot supersede your faith. And your faith is in the lie of the enemy, even though your prayers are in the promises of God. We've got to bring our hearts into alignment over what God said over our lives. Somebody say amen. Three thoughts, three thoughts. First thing is this, write this down. You got to plan for lies and, and lies that come with facts. You, you've got to expect in your life that there are going to be lies that come and those lies are going to come with facts. Now, I, listen, okay, I know I'm not in the Bible and I can be judgmental of the people in the Bible, but really, dude, like you knew your sons hated each other. You started it. And you really are going to believe the first thing that your boys tell you about the brother that they hate. Here comes the coat. Here comes, dad, is this your, listen, okay. <laughs> I was never a good liar. I really tried hard. I really tried hard, but I just, I was never really good at it. And I, I remember even from young, you know, I'd, I'd sneak in a cupboard and I'd get a lollipop or whatever it may be and eat candy when I'm not supposed to. Y'all, my tongue is blue. I've got blue all over my lips. My mom or my dad would say, Stephen, yes, mom. Did you eat a lollipop? No, mom. Are you sure? Positive. Like, why do you keep asking me these questions? I told you I didn't eat a lollipop. I licked one. I didn't eat it. <laughs> Technically, I wasn't lying. Well, the fact that your tongue is blue and there's blue all over your lips makes me think he never asked him any questions. He should have expected. If I started this drama in my family, I can't just believe the first thing that I'm told. Don't believe the first thought that comes to your mind. Don't believe the first thing that you feel about your spouse, about your career, about your future, about your health, particularly in moments that are potentially traumatic. So if you go to the doctor and you're waiting for a report to come back, 
Don't believe the first thought that comes to your mind when you see the results. Because you've got to know, I've got to expect. These are moments where the enemy is going to try to whisper a lie into my ear. And then he's going to back that lie up with facts. John chapter four verse, chapter 8 verse 44 says this. There is no truth in the enemy. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And one thing you've got to understand is certain life events always come with certain lies. So if I grew up in a household where I couldn't rely on my father or I couldn't rely on my mother, the two that are supposed to be the foundation of my life, there's going to be a whisper in my ear. Nobody's trustworthy. You're, you're in this by yourself. So you've got to know that if that was my childhood, then that is going to be the lie that is whispered in my ear. I, I, and it doesn't even always have to be sin. I, I grew up an amazing father, amazing mother. I'm one of five siblings. I'm the second. Everybody knows second borns are the best born. I'm still waiting on my coat, dad. Had amazing, my, I, I always talk about this. My oldest sister growing up was my hero. I mean, amazing classical pianist. I mean, intelligent, charismatic. Every room she walked in. I mean, from seven, eight years old, she'd walk in and, I mean, own the room. Now, who's that? Who's that? And then I'd walk in behind her. <laughs> Hear me. She did nothing wrong. Um, looked up to her so much. That the enemy started whispering. You know, you're not as special as your sister. You're, you're, you're not as smart as your sister. P people don't like you the way that they like your sister. And then you, 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 you throw in there a couple C's. <laughs> Evidence <laughs> to back up this lie. We, we both played piano. She would get up and she's on that piano going. And then she would get up and, and the whole room was like, and Then I would go up. Dun, 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 dun. I'm sorry, I'm going to start over. Dun, 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 dun. And I'd go sit down. Nobody would clap. Nobody would applaud. My dad would be like, bro, what was that? Just reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing. Can I, can I scare you just a little bit? I was 26 years old. Can I really scare you? I became the senior pastor at 23. I was 26 years old before I realized I was intelligent. Really wish I knew that before I went to college. It would have really helped. It would have really helped. Ah. This is TMI. Can we go TMI? So because I believed that I wasn't really intelligent in college, I didn't work hard. Because I was like, it doesn't matter how hard I work, I'm never going to get those results. So let me just skate by because effort is not going to bring better results. Looking, y'all, if I went back to college today, bro, I'm telling you like 7.0. I don't even know if that's a number, but I'd have murdered that school. And into adulthood, walking out a lie that didn't even come from trauma or sin, 
just came from not knowing who God called me to be. The first thing we've got to do is we've got to be able to identify the lies that we've believed. How, how do I do that? I was talking to somebody who worked at a bank and they said, you know, I'm working at a teller at a bank and they taught us how to identify counterfeit money. Because, you know, if you work at a bank and you kept money, you probably should know what fake money looks like. Here's what they said. They said, as they trained us on what counterfeit money looked like, they said there's too many versions of counterfeit money to train you on all the variations of counterfeits. So what we're gonna do, instead of showing you counterfeits, we're gonna show you the real thing. And you're gonna know what the real thing feels like. You're gonna know what it, the weight that it carries. You're, you're gonna know what aspects to look for in the real thing. And that way, any counterfeit, old or new, that comes across your table, you're gonna be able to identify it, not because you've seen the counterfeit before, but because you know what the real thing looks like. Hear me, there are too many lies of the enemy to figure out which one is a lie, what's the new, but if I know the truth of God's word, if if I know what truth looks like, if I know what he says about me, anything that comes into my life that does not line up with the truth that I know, I'll recognize it as a counter. Do you know God's word? Okay, can I pour some truth in you just for a second? Psalm chapter 23 verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack, can I mess with someone's lie? Can I, can I, can I mess with you? Anything you lack in your life is based on a lie that you've believed. How do I know there's an area in my life where I've believed a lie of the enemy? When there's a part of my life that does not measure up to the word of God. Can, can, can I, can I, can, oh, having fun, are you having fun? Because here's the lie that we've believed. That area of my life has not measured up because my spouse is doing something wrong. That area of my life is not measuring up because I haven't done enough to make it happen. We, we start blaming. We start condemning because we don't know what God's... He didn't say, the Lord is my shepherd. As long as my spouse agrees in tithing, I'll lack nothing. Is that what it says? The Lord is my shepherd. As long as my kids move out at 18 and get their own job, I will lack nothing. Are there addendums on that verse? But we've allowed all these addendums in our life to be the reason why we lack. Not realizing that's a clue. There's a lie somewhere there. You know it. Isaiah 26 verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace. Who's what? whose job is not stressful. As soon as I get through this season of work, I'll have some peace. Uh-oh. Lies we've believed. He will keep in perfect peace them whose children are potty trained. <laughs> Pastor, it's not there, but it should be there. You, you tracking with me? He will keep in perfect Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts any area of my life where I'm not experienced the peace of God. It's not that something in my environment needs to change. I'm not waiting to get out of college for peace. 
not waiting to get out of residency to pass the bar. That's not what I'm waiting on. There's a lie that I've believed that is stealing my peace in a season when I should have peace. Psalm 84 verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold once I get my degree. Huh? Isn't it wild how we blame events in our life, circumstances and seasons on our unrest? When the word of God says in and out of season, you'll produce. Why don't I believe that every season is my season? Because there's a lie from the enemy that I believe. Second thing is this, right? This, right? This, I've got to attack lies with the truth. Romans chapter 12, verse two says this, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't act like people who don't know Jesus is what it's saying. Look at your neighbor and say, act right. Come on now. <laughs> Some of y'all said a little bass in your voice. Sheesh, you've been waiting to say that. I helped you out, didn't I? Can I, can I, can I teach you how to act right? <laughs> By being transformed. By renewing what you believe to be true. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, hey, I, I, I don't need you acting like the world. Because as the world acts, it takes them to more destruction, not to more peace. He said, I need you to be transformed. And the only way you can be transformed is if you can change the way that you think. And if you change the way that you think, watch this, then you'll begin to prove God's word true. And you'll begin to see the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I don't have time to preach the whole Bible, but do you know there's different levels to the will of God? So, some of you, your finances are ungodly. It's just they're going to know Jesus. <laughs> But some of you, it, 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 it's good. It's not pleasing, though. Some of us, our finances are pleasing, but it's not the perfect will of God. And, and, and the problem is not where you work. The problem is not how you spend money. The problem is what you, what you believe. And God says, if I could change what you believe, you're going to see different results in every area of your life. Here's the problem. We are so convinced on what we believe. No, 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 no. You see, I grew up in a family where everybody had money and they, they didn't manage it well and they blew it. And at the end of their life, they had nothing left. So I'm not going to spend a penny. And I'm going to save every ounce of what I've got. No vacation, no, no nice house, no nice car. No, we're going to McDonald's. Who needs Ruth Chris? We've got a. And you know what people like that have? Money. You know why? Because they don't spend it. And that's good. It's just not pleasing. It's just not the perfect will of God. And, and, and here's the problem. We think we're doing all right, Paul said, because we compare ourselves by ourselves. I'm doing better than everybody else in my family, which means I'm doing good. Now, I'm not going to be the one to talk bad about your family. <laughs> but just because you're doing better than all them jokers, 
doesn't mean you're walking in all that God has for you. So, 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 it starts with, are you willing to surrender your worldview? This is what it means to be matured as a believer. That I'm willing to surrender how I see life. Not for another man or another woman's opinion, but for what God says. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 says this, God, God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, listen, I'm not trying to be ignorant, but you ain't on my level. And I'm just telling you, what you think the purpose of life is, what you think success is, what you think it means to be a man, what you think it means to be a woman, God says, I've got so much more than you're thinking right. Will you allow, can we make that covenant right now? God, I'm surrendering, come on, say, I'm surrendering my thoughts. God, God, I'm surrendering my opinions. It, it does, you don't have to repeat this. It doesn't matter what evidence the enemy has given me. It doesn't matter. And the evidence he's given you, he's not going to walk up and say, hi, I'm the enemy. Here's evidence. No, 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 no. He's going to have life event after life event after life event after life. Oh, you see, you started that business and, and it failed. You're, you're not creative. You're not responsible. You're not this. You're not that. And you've got to make up in your mind, regardless of the evidence life has given me, I'm making a decision. I'm accepting what God says about me over every other. Paul said, you got to get violent with it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God, watch this, for pulling down strongholds. If you're taking notes, write that word stronghold. I'll tell you what a stronghold in your life is in two seconds. Watch this. He said, casting down arguments. Okay, leave the verse up. You ever had an argument with yourself? Come on now. You ever just got heated, yelling back and forth, and you the only one there? <laughs> you just... I should do it. No, you shouldn't. I deserve it. You don't deserve anything. Yes, I do. I've worked all week. Come on now. You barely showed up. <laughs> and it's just you sitting at a red light in your car. Person next to you is like, are you okay? <laughs> Says casting down arguments, watch this, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There, <sighs> calm down. I'm having too much fun. Bringing every... How do you win a battle as a believer? Bring every thought into captivity. No, you're going to obey Christ. Okay, take the verse down. It says our weapons are mighty for pulling down strongholds. Now, you know what a literal stronghold is. It's a fort that the enemy builds that they had their weapons and all that other kind of stuff. And you may have seen it's on television or whatever it may be. Sometimes they'll build a trench around it. So you got to swim across water to get to that stronghold. And they'll have a bridge that drops when, the, when their peace comes in. But, but if the enemies, they'll break those long wide gates and there's archers on the top of that wall, making sure that nobody's able to breach that stronghold. That's a literal picture of a stronghold. Can I give you what a spiritual stronghold is? Some lie from the enemy 
that is so entrenched in your life and he defends with everything he's got because he knows that's what keeps you bound. So maybe, maybe, maybe you grew up, somebody labeled you with ADHD or dyslexia or, or, or some learning disability. And there he was right next to that diagnosis saying, you got, it doesn't matter how hard you work. You'll never be like everybody else. You'll, you'll, you'll never be able to, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never. And now, sometimes before I'm old enough to fight for my own self-esteem, I've got a, a stronghold about myself that I carry into every interview, that I carry into every relationship, that I carry into every new season. Uh, but the Bible says that, that we've got weapons that are mighty in God that can pull that down. So, so how do I do that? Okay, I'm walking to an interview, and here comes that thought. They're probably not going to hire you. you, you, you you're going to have to work harder than everybody else. Oh, no, 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 no. God's word said that my gifts open doors and bring me before great people. So as I walk in this room, I'm not kicking the door in. The door is opening for me. It, it, it doesn't matter what, 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 what the enemy has spoken over my life. I know what God has spoken over my life. Maybe you had a parent that was not there. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you went through some type of abuse and there was a lie in your ear of, hey, you're not important. Nobody sees you. You're insignificant. You don't matter much. No, 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 no. Romans chapter eight, verse 19 says that the earth waits in anxious anticipation for the sons of God to be revealed. I am a son of God, which means the world is just waiting for me to show up the same way they will wait for some celebrity to walk in a room. Listen, when I walk in the room, everybody's head turns and says, who's that? We've been waiting on you. You're damaged good. You, you, you've messed up too badly. You've sinned too much. There's nothing that you can do to make up for that horrible mistake that you made. No, 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 no. No, the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Oh, that ain't even me anymore. I'm a brand new. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm, I'm taking captive every single thought that the enemy dare throws my way. And, and, and what you begin to realize is this is a daily process. Every day, the enemy, oh, can, can, we, can, we get, can we get real, real? Your spouse say something out the side of the neck. Guess what, guess what, guess what, guess what? If you get offended, it's your fault. You have no, 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 oh, calm down, calm down, calm down. By the way, if your peace is always dictated on how somebody else acts, you'll never have peace. Stop surrendering your peace to somebody else's actions. So they say something about the side of your neck. And what do you say? I don't say nothing to them. But in my heart, the Bible says a righteous man overlooks an offense. So before I clap back, I've got a decision. Am I a righteous man or not? Because if I'm a righteous man, I'm not allowed to clap back. I'm not even allowed to be offended. I'm not allowed to go on a silent strike. Come on, folks, y'all be doing that. Don't lie to me, I know. I do the same thing. Three days, we ain't speaking. 
Now, we talk a lot, but we ain't speaking. You know what I mean? Good morning. You can't say I didn't speak. I spoke. I feel like you have an attitude. What attitude are you talking about? I feel like you're not really talking to me. I'm talking to you right now. We speaking, but we ain't speaking. I got to make a decision. Am I a righteous man? Because if I'm a righteous man, I'm not allowed to do that. So watch, oh, I'm having fun. This turned into a marriage conference. ain't even a marriage conference. So watch this. They say something about the side of their neck. I believe the truth that I'm a righteous man, which means I can't get offended. And now that I'm not offended, I begin to think, hey, what happened? Oh, yeah. Today's the anniversary of when their grandparent passed away. Oh, yeah. They got chewed up and spit out at work. This ain't got nothing to do with me. So now I can respond with empathy, with compassion, because I captured a thought and didn't allow it to dictate. Psalm 107 verse 20 says this, God sent his word and his word healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Some of you need supernatural healing in your heart. You need the deliverance of God. And you know where that deliverance comes from? Knowing what God says about the situation, not just what the enemy says about the situation. Some of you have been praying and fasting and crying, God, deliver me! And God is responding saying, just believe me. Just believe what I say about you instead of what that abandonment says about you. And your deliverance will come through my word. You ready to end this? Yeah, let's end this, go ahead. All right, write this last thing now. <laughs> Let the truth produce. So we have this juxtaposition of Joseph and Jacob. Jacob was given a bloody coat and believed a lie for the next 30 years that ended his life early. Joseph was given a word from God. I'm going to raise you up and you're going to be the leader of your family. Jacob clung to a coat. Joseph clung to a word. Tracking with me. So here's Joseph got a word that God's going to use me to lead my family. My family kidnaps me and sells me into slavery. I've got evidence that the word God spoke is not going to come to pass. Joseph said, I will not dishonor God. His word is faithful and true. He gets a false charge in slavery. What's worse than slavery? He gets sent to prison. He's in jail. I will honor God with my life. All the evidence coming at me says that that's not going to happen, but I've got a word. And because I've got a word, I'm going to hold on to this word until I see it come to pass. And then in one night, he goes to sleep in a prison. He wakes up in the palace of Pharaoh and becomes the second in command. And all of a sudden, the word that God spoke over him comes to pass when all the evidence that was given to him was saying that word will never come to pass. You've got to make a decision. Decision. Am I going to let the promise of God produce in my life 
Or am I going to pick the lies of the... The Bible says, if you're going to be righteous, you're going to live by faith. You've got to stop this. If I see it, I believe it. You've got to stop this emotional reaction to everything that life throws your way. And you've got to get anchored in the fact that if God said it, I believe it. That settles it. John 1, 14 says the word became reality, became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Today, we're going to end today's message a little bit different. We ain't going to shout. We ain't going to scream. We're going to have homework. Y'all ready for some homework? This week, I need you to get one verse that's opposite to what you're experiencing in life right now. And I need you to get that verse so entrenched in your heart that it doesn't matter what evidence the enemy throws your way. You say, God, this is going to come to pass in my life. So for example, maybe you're going through a season of just health is not where it's supposed to be. Your verse may be by his stripes have been healed. Come on now. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's stress. Cast all your cares upon for he cares for you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. and, 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 And here's what you do. When you start to feel yourself getting overwhelmed, you start feeling yourself getting friend. No, 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 no. The peace of God has guarded my heart. It's guarded my mind. I'm going to have peace in his mind. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they're all yes. Some of us have had so many people let us down in life that we believe the lie that everybody will let you let down and we, 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 we superimpose that on our relationship with God. God's just like my dad. My dad let me down, God's going to let me down. God's just like my college hood best friend. They let me, no, no. He said, no matter how many times I make your promise, all my promises are yes in Christ. Watch this. So through him, the amen is spoken by, somebody say me. Start saying amen to what God says about you, not what trauma says about you. Start saying amen based on what God says about you, not, not what the enemy says about you. And start watching the word of God and the promises of God produce his will in your life. Father God, we're grateful that you have not left us here on earth as sitting ducks, just victims of life and circumstance. But God, you've given us weapons that are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And in the name of Jesus, in this moment, I break every word, every stronghold, every curse, every lie of the enemy that was spoken over every single person in this church. God, you said whom the sun sets free is free indeed. God, we speak freedom in this house right now. Just where you're sitting, can you pray this prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. I'm preaching it to you and I'm preaching it to myself at the same time. For all of us, there's lies that we've believed that over this next week, God's going to begin to say, no, 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 that's not what I said about you. Here's what my word says about you. There's some of you in this room, the lie that you've believed is that you're good enough by yourself. 
Or maybe you've believed a lie that you've made so many mistakes that God wants nothing to do with you. The truth of the matter is, Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. And before you can eradicate any lie, before you can walk in the promises of God, you've got to know the God of the promises. So wherever you find yourself, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in the room, maybe you believe that going to church makes you a Christian. That's a lie. The Bible says surrender, making him the controller, the forgiver of your sins. So wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, I, I need Jesus. I need God the way that you're talking about. You can make that decision right where you're sitting. Just, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being true. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for shedding your blood, for dying on the cross so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. In this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision?